Great music today. Thank you, team. Welcome, Friends Church. Great to see lots of people out today. My name is Alita. I'm part of the charitable giving team here at Friends Church. And just want to say, first of all, thank you. Thank you um, to all of you who donate regularly, whether that's online or through the app or through our black box at the back. There's lots of ways to do that, and we really appreciate that. The uh, charitable giving is a big piece of what keeps this place running, and we are so grateful to you. I want to remind you as we close the summer out and head into fall here, we're starting to reconnect and get connected, and we have lots of small groups starting up, which is Fabulous. So go on to our website. Um, if you don't know the folks here or you'd like to get to know some more folks, some different uh, individuals, lots of different small groups in lots of different areas where you can find the right fit for you. And um, save a date on your calendar. On September 18th, we are having kind of a big welcome back lunch. So I hope to see you at that. Thank you. Okay, good morning, everybody. Y'all are very quiet today. <laughs> Thank you. There we go. Stroke my ego for sure. Does um, anyone feel like maybe this September feels a bit different than the last two Septembers? You know, the last two was kind of like, hey, we're coming out of summer into I have no freaking clue what's going to happen. And this is the first one to me anyways. It feels like the pandemic portion of COVID feels a little less loud. Like maybe life's coming back, maybe things are going to get to normal. And I was reading a book recently that talked about when we have these major transitions in life is when our brain naturally handles this kind of question of what now? And so we can talk, we've talked a lot about the pandemic and all the things that have happened in the pandemic, but there's a moment here that we'll miss if we're not careful. And that's the question of what now? Now that the pandemic or the pandemic portion of COVID is winding down, now what do we do? Because we're just naturally going to fall back into the rut of what we did before if we're not careful. But we can use this time to chart a different path, to look through our lives and say, okay, before the pandemic, if we can remember that long ago, you know, I was into this, you know, my kids were into 300 different events and we were never home. We never saw each other. But maybe our life should look a little different now. I know my life before the pandemic, every evening was scheduled. Scheduled for months, months. If someone said, hey, I need a hand, I'd be like, okay, yeah. How about three months from now on a Thursday from 5 to 5.30, I have like a half hour. But as you're going to hear today, that's not how I want to live. And so we want to encourage you, starting in September, because it feels like the beginning of something new. Summer's over. We're starting a year again. Think of this as a time to look at your life carefully and say, what would a meaningful life look like? The pandemic took a lot of stuff away. Some of what we're going to want to bring back. That's cool. Some of it we lost and we went, wait a second. Actually, life is better without those things. How did we get caught up in that? So I want to encourage you, starting September, uh, Jeremy, can you throw that slide up for me? Sorry, I should have asked that quicker. September some point, 11th, there we go, September 11th, searching for a meaningful life. Come out, it's going to be unique to you, to your journey. 
what it looks like specifically for you. We're going to run through exercises for a couple of weeks that comes out at the end saying, hey, now that the pandemic portion is winding down, what kind of a life do I want? What would be a meaningful life to me? Starting September 11th, we encourage you to come out. Take a deep breath. And if you would, give Jeff a big round of applause for coming up on stage. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, okay, if you're gonna clap, really clap, all right? No, I'm joking. Hey, good morning, everyone. Happy you're here this morning. And welcome back. For some of you that have been away over the summer, uh, feels nice seeing people starting to come back in. Hey, I, I don't know about you, I find it really inspiring to hear stories of people who have carved out their own personal resources, time, energy, money, whatever it be, to make some kind of difference in their world. You know, uh, yeah, I'm thinking about stories where someone has, I mean, just quietly stepped out to help someone, whether it was in a supermarket, someone was fumbling for change or they realized they didn't have enough and I watched someone else say, you know what, let me help. Silently just helping out with the bill. Watching someone, you know, crossing a parking lot and their kid jumps out and then someone runs over and grabs their kid for them. Watch people who have gotten involved in causes and that have made a huge difference fighting for the justice of some kind of people that are oppressed. Oh, geez, I can, I can think of so many different stories where you just watch this person doing this uncommon thing that just made such a tangible difference. And I, I don't know about you, but man, I, I watch it or I read about it, I see it online, and it does something to me. I think it inspires me to just look at my life and go, well, Jeff, what the hell are you doing here? Why are you here? You got just a limited window here on earth. I just, look at all you got. What are you doing with it? And, 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 and not in a shame way. It's just like it inspires me to say, man, I can do something more. And I love that feeling. And you know what? I'm betting I'm not the only one that feels that way. I'm betting a large reason why you show up Sunday mornings, tuning this on, listening to the podcast, showing up Sunday mornings here. Something inside you says, there's just got to be more than just paying my bills, going on vacation, eating good food. Something inside you, I think, craves living a meaningful life, doing something that creates something beautiful that's lasting. I believe that. You know, back in prior to the recession of 2008, 2009, I know many of you actually that I'm looking at here in the audience, many of you weren't here back in that, at that time. You've joined us since. But Friends Church looked a lot different just in terms of the kinds of things that we were talking about prior to the recession. We honestly, as a church, stopped trying to figure out eternal equations. Who's in and who's out in terms of God's club, right? Which seems to be a sport in a lot of religion. 
Who's going to heaven? Who's going to hell? We just said, no, no, enough of that. Jesus said, just love your neighbor. We started talking about taking water. It was a metaphor. Water was a metaphor of talents, anything you got, any resources that you could give to your world, people around you, your neighbor, people you're working with, random strangers, people on the other side of the world, whatever you got, what do you have that you could take to make your world just a bit better? We said, figure out your water and take it, period. Now, at that time, prior to the recession, it was so mind-blowing to see people taking this thing and running with it. Remember one woman, she says, I can cut hair. So she began booking out one day a week. She'd go downtown, and she would cut the hair of people who had very little, people who were living on the streets. She said, I'm going to give them their dignity back. We saw people jumping in on causes, little, little opportunities here and there. They're going, I, I think I can do something remarkable here. We saw professionals going, I'm lending my services pro bono to this nonprofit. The stories that came out of it were amazing, and the finances that got unleashed. At that time, the average local church like this in Canada was giving around 3% a year, above and beyond their operating budget to causes beyond their church. At that time at Friends Church, our exceeding funds, beyond what it takes to run this, were running up over 20%. Hundreds of thousands of dollars was being flooded locally and international through this organization. People got it. That their stuff is better off being recycled and used in different ways to make the world better. But the recession did something. When scarcity moves in and you're worried about whether you're going to be able to pay the bills, things tighten up. And that's understandable. But anything the recession didn't do in terms of scarcity and shutting down water, the pandemic's done a number. And now we find ourselves in this place where the recession or the pandemic is almost in the rearview mirror, almost. We want to believe it's there. Now we're, we're, as leaders, we're looking at this and going, could we go back? Could we be reminded once again of who we were and what we are and what we're capable of doing? Because I'm telling you, A life that is self-absorbed, and you likely know this to be true, does not deliver. You get into the narcissistic, what's in this for me kind of thinking. It's amazing how that road just becomes meaningless. Now we're asking the question, what could this look like? I thought of no better way to start this conversation than to invite a couple women who have for years inspired me in such great ways. And um, I invited him. I said, would you come and talk with us? Be a part of a community discussion. Tell us your stories and how it works for you or how it worked, how it's working. So I want you to put your hands together and welcome Deanne Watson and Christina Callahan. Join me on stage. Ladies, thank you for joining me. Come and sit down. Welcome. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you for being here this morning. You know, I, I, we, we met, we've chatted a little bit. Um, I know your stories quite well, but I think it would be great if we could just start at the very beginning because what they became, what, what became of the efforts and whatnot, really remarkable. But the beginning was 
<laughs> you just would have never thought this was coming that way, you know? Crazy. Maybe, Christina, let's start with you. It was a trip to Mexico? <laughs> yeah, who'd have thunk? Uh, so I'd always wanted to take my children to Mexico. And uh, about 17 years ago, I did. And I fell in love with it. It just it caught a piece of my heart immediately. Um, this is just like a vacation. It was a holiday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that, was the, <clears throat> that was the intention. Mm-hmm. That was the plan. Um, and then we went back the following year, and it was the same. I just, it had a piece of my heart. Mm-hmm. And then I found out um, through a friend I'd met down there that there were people up in the Sierra Madres that were freezing to death. And I was, how is that possible? I've been here in January and February. It's hotter than Hades. (laughs) But it's different. So I knew I was going back down in June. um, So I just thought if I send out an email, if I can bring down a couple of coats for people. Uh, (laughs) And I ended up a month later with, like, we packed 67 cases of winter clothing. Um, it was it was amazing. So I was, and I found a Christian trucking company. I had no idea what I was doing, people. Um, but <laughs> um, the friend that I met when I got down there before I went, he said the fire chief of Puerto Vallarta wants to meet you. And I thought, why does he want to meet me? He has, wants to meet you. And I thought, why does he want to meet me? He has nothing to do with the clothing. Um, but I thought, okay. Um, so this is when you're bringing all the, the clothes down? I had, I had sent them, them down, okay, you and so I was just there to distribute them. Okay. Um, and so I went to the one unfinished fire hall in Puerto Vallarta, and I met Alfredo Rivas, the fire chief, um, who spoke not a word of English. And at that time, he had 44 firefighters and one firefighting coat, which, so they were walking into burning buildings and t-shirts for $5 a day, which horrified me. Uh, I just, you talked about the mo- those moments mm-hmm. that absolutely horrified me. I just thought, in Calgary, we have one fender bender, there's two fire trucks, an ambulance, and a cop car. And I just went, wow, this is... Um, and then Alfredo looked at me, um, like I say, he didn't speak English, but he said in Spanish, you're an angel sent to help save us. And I knew I was in real trouble. So, so uh, he came asking if you might be able to recruit or um, supplies to help firefighters down in Mexico. He didn't ask me specifically that literally was his statement and he okay. just because of what I've done with the coats okay. which is a whole different than getting a fire truck yeah um, so he didn't specifically but there was just in his eyes yeah. there was um, hopelessness fear mm. um, desperation mm. but with me because of what I'd done he saw something that was maybe a lifeline to something that could help his firefighters. And I got on the plane and I thought, I can't do nothing. So I started Angels for Mexico um, 15 years ago. Well, we're going to get into what that has become. Mm -hmm. Deanne, your story looked a lot different. Tell us about where things began for you. I mean, hey, look, you've been a part of lots of, both of you have been a part of a lot of different humanitarian efforts and taking water, but this particular story began so unsuspecting. Once you start that morning, 
so I um, <clears throat> was driving my son to preschool, and it was his first day of preschool, my, my um, youngest son, so I was kind of feeling quite good about myself. It's his first day of preschool, I get some time now, this is going to be great. Um, so I dropped him at preschool, and um, I thought I'd go have a coffee and read the newspaper. Um, and when I got into the coffee shop, I grabbed the newspaper and I sat down, and the, uh, the front of the newspaper had, I don't know if you're going to show it, but it, it had a picture of a little boy who had drowned um, in Greece, and that little boy looked exactly like the little boy that I just dropped off at preschool. And I just couldn't believe that I had so much um, luxury in my child was safe, my child was being educated, I'm having coffee, this is a great day, it's beautiful out, I'm free, I have a family, all these things. So that started me really thinking about what could I do, this isn't right. Um, and then I... And, and sorry, this was a picture that showed this was this, the Syrian crisis that was going on, all the war, people were flood, flooding, fleeing away from Syria. This, this was an immigrant family. Right. It was just a refugee family that was trying to run away from the conflict. Right, so it was a family of four. The only person who survived that trip was the father. He, uh, he tried to teach his children to swim before the trip so that if the boat capsized, they might have a chance, which is just crazy. And of course, it capsized, and the mother and the two children died. And this story is not unique. It's obviously um, going on today for lots of refugees. So um, I just... Started. I emailed the newspaper uh, saying, "What's you know? What can people do?" And then I think I just started to talk about it with people that I knew. And eventually, we came together as a group at Friends Church. Mm -hmm. There was other people that felt similarly that this was a problem. And this is when Canada also started to say, "Okay, we're going to bring in twenty thousand refugees, and you can sponsor families and whatnot." <laughs> and so. A group of us thought, okay, let's, let's do this. Yeah. And then a couple other churches, actually including this facility. The temple here. Yeah, yeah the, temple, the Jewish temple. Um, yeah. They had groups as well. So we band together as three groups yeah. um, to sponsor a family. And then what ended up happening is when you sponsor a family, they, uh, the diocese of different organizations, they... Uh, produce a list of these are the families that are available for sponsorship and through some other conversations we got in touch with a man who knew a family that was already here but needed help so um, our group was put in touch with them and we started helping them I remember um, at the time when you began raising the alarms and going hey guys there's an opportunity right here and of course, we're in the midst of doing church stuff, and we're looking at that, the concept of that going, whoa, that's a big pill to tackle. Are you sure? And it was amazing what began to 
you know, the people that started coming out of the woodwork and the team that you started bringing around and the resources and then the networking that started happening like before long. I mean, it was crazy what had happened. Let's, let's, let's fast forward, can we? Because we don't have a lot of time this morning, but let's fast forward now. How long ago was that, Dan? Uh, about seven years ago. Seven years ago. How long was your trip to Mexico? Long ago, that first 17 year? years. 17 years ago. So let's, let's just look now at the project and what has come out of this, can we? Christina, why don't you, why don't you go first? Wow. Uh, <laughs> a lot. A lot has, has changed. Um, so in the, the 17 years, so what we do mainly um, is our main program is to support emergency services in Mexico. So primarily the fire department, but they also have what's called Protection Civil, which is like our uh, EMS. So we have sent down, I've lost track of how many millions of dollars worth of um, surplus gear and equipment. Um, we just last fall, um, beyond my dreams, beyond any of my <laughs> dreams, uh, sent our biggest, it was a 40-foot container, which um, will support over 200 bomberos, that's a firefighter. Um, in six municipalities. Where is this, these supplies coming from? Heaven. <laughs> I have a magic wand, Jeff. <laughs> what would you like, a fire truck? Um, so in the beginning, we used to collect yeah. here ourselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. We worked hard for it. But just in this past year, um, COVID actually gave me a, a pause break where I could kind of figure out where we wanted the foundation to go. I have a wonderful board of directors. Um, but I've partnered with uh, an organization called Firefighters Without Borders Canada. They're phenomenal. Um, so they do a lot of the collecting, the inventorying. We pay my foundation. I get investors. We pay for the shipping. Um, and then it gets sent down there. We distribute it. So that just happened. And it was beyond a miracle. Some of these firefighters have never touched a fire hose, wow. which is Bizarre, but if you don't have a fire truck, why would you have a fire hose? Yeah. Um, in that same trip, and I think you have pictures of some of it, um, I brought down a team from Firefighters Without Borders Canada. Again, I have no words to say how much I appreciate them. And they did a week's worth of training hmm. for these, um, these 200 bomberos. And it was, you know, lots of tears that week because, you know, I had grown men come up and, and hug me with tears and say, I'm going to try not to do, <laughs> do the tear thing myself, but um, that they felt that they could go and do their job properly because they had the equipment to do it with. Wow. And that's very humbling. Wow. Very humbling. Amazing. To be able to facilitate that. Yeah. Thank you. Deanne. Uh, so it starts with this idea. Let's let's sponsor a refugee family. Now seven years later. So um, I'm happy to say seven years later that this family they are now Canadian citizens. They yeah. have their passport. The Ganem family. Yeah, yeah, there they are. <laughs> and um, you know they struggle economically. Of course, they're a big family. They've moved countries. They're learning the language and everything else, but there, you know um, your children are successful when they all know what they want to order from Starbucks and <laughs> 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 they've got all their shoes, 
you know, <laughs> 25 pairs of shoes in the front entrance and whatnot. Um, so they've, you know, done really well. Two of them are in post-secondary now. Um, one of them is in high school. The other one is in junior high. They participate in their community soccer. They have friends. Um, a couple of the girls chose not to wear the hijabs, which are the head coverings that they traditionally wear, and the parents are um, disappointed but accepting of what they want to do here and why they want to do that. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I personally feel really touched by that just because I, um, I know how hard hmm. it would be for them to give up some of their customs. And so for them not to be threatening about that is... I think it's really special. Wow. Uh, I know I saw Shabba Shwarma uh, Instagram post recently saying, hey, so they have a food truck. The family have a food truck that they're operating around the city. If you ever see Shabba Shwarma, look for them. They've showed up here on a Sunday morning, and we need to get them back. That would be a mm -hmm. great thing. But just amazing what they've been able to do. Yeah. They work hard. The father and one of the daughters work at Walmart. One of the daughters works at Starbucks. And with the food truck, it's hot, it's hotter than yeah. he's in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they work hard in there, so it's uh, it's uh, they're working hard. Yeah, it's amazing how they've jumped in and they're contributing and yeah. pushing. Thankfully, I mean, there's you know, it's exciting to be able to tell the after story, but we know that getting it even to this point, <laughs> that there's been a lot of challenging moments you know sometimes to hear the before and after can be inspiring but <clears throat> it comes with lots of tears too sometimes moments when you're going why did I sign up for this are there moments that come to your mind when I even just say that in these projects where you're going oh Hades yes <laughs> <laughs> um, well we talked about this at coffee but for me personally um, there's you know, <laughs> you get so much more back when you give, but it's, there are times when it, it, I did, did go, what was I doing? One of those was um, in probably year three or four, I can't remember. Um, we had sent a container down and it got stuck in customs in Manzanillo because, and we worked hard. That was before Firefighters Without Borders Canada. Um, so my volunteers, my people have worked really, really hard to collect this stuff. The fire departments around here have been so generous to support us. They were so excited to have um, a conduit to get it to some place mm -hmm. that it was needed mm -hmm. and it wouldn't go into the hands of corruption. But that's what I was dealing with. And it got stuck in customs in Manzanillo because of corruption and they wanted money, that I, dirty money, that I wasn't willing to pay. Um, because once you open that door, you can't close it. And I just, we fought righteously for what was in that container. So I fought literally almost every day <laughs> on the phone or via email for 10 months. 10 months. 10 months. And finally succeeded, you know, um, and was happy, but drained, absolutely drained. And my family and my friends had watched, you know, like they're just like, Christina, you just, and I was like, nope. I got it, because I have a board of directors, but I was on the front lines. And then it finally, like I say, it happened. And I remember two days later, um, one of a couple of my bomberos, that I'm very, they, they become like family to me. And they sent me the pictures of the stuff mm. in the container because they were so happy and so joyful. And I just <laughs> remember looking at my computer screen saying, oh my God, 
Yeah. I, it, like, it's wonderful, but it sucked my tank dry. Yeah, I can only imagine month eight, month nine, as your yeah. investors, people that had donated all this equipment are waiting for the pictures yeah. and the stories, and you don't know what... <laughs> yeah, they're like, you know, so how's it? And you just, you're just, you're dancing a dance. And you, it's, got, you got the fire departments down there going... Uh, Where's our stuff? Yeah, we you, need it so it, bad, Christina, and which I know. And then you have the people up here who either helped to pay for, to get the container there or the, the, the fire department that donated. And, and, and you're sitting there going, why did I even sign up? Oh, my God. But, but, I, but I learned, like, on the other side of it, after looking at that screen and going, oh, my God, like, as wonderful as it is, I have to set boundaries for myself. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to fix Mexico. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to fix Mexico. Wow. So, so, so it really took you down hard it did. in it that did. process. Yeah. yeah. But, it, yeah. but it, was, it was a check for me. Yeah. And it's one that I've carried on right. going forward sure. that I can only give so much of myself or I'm not going to be good to any, but yeah. my family first. Yeah. Right? It, I, it, I can't. I have to set that for, for myself, for my children, for yeah. my family and my friends. Yeah. Deanne, there were some difficult moments in the midst of that. Yep, there are a few, definitely a few things. Um, in the very beginning, we had trouble sort of getting them the money because it wasn't as easy as just giving them cash to buy their groceries. So there was an adjustment of, of trying to find a system that worked for them and that we could actually do in Canada with how charitable giving works. And, you know, then there were things like they had to move house and what I thought they could afford was not acceptable to them, and so they really pushed back on that. And so there were, um, there was just this place of having to let go of what I believed was the thing to do and try to flow with what they felt was the right thing to do and support them in that and help them um, in, in however that turned out. You know, wow. it turned out great, but it... it um, they got what they wanted, shockingly yeah. for me, and so that's wonderful that that worked out for them. I can see how difficult it becomes when you're wanting to help someone and thoughts like, well, you should be grateful for... <laughs> and, and all these different things when you are trying to help and realizing that on the other side, these people have their own values and needs and expectations and oh yeah so tricky i know you mentioned too even just challenges with family too and boundaries yeah because i um have two children and and i really wanted to include their son in some of our activities because i thought that i could really um just tuck him right under and take him to soccer and whatever and really alleviate uh, some of his parents troubles with getting to soccer and this and that and whatever but I had to slow down a little bit because I know that my boys needed me to be their mom and not also be Muhammad's mom and Mm -hmm. so there were times where I had to kind of back off a little bit Mm -hmm. challenging um curious so we got the impact of of the organization on uh, on these people's lives, whether it's firefighters, the people that they're working with, the, the Ganem family, and their kids, and how that's all working. We got the kind of the, um, the difficulties, the challenges that come with it personally. But 
There's also the growth, personally, that comes through these moments. And I know you start high, you know, kind of um, hinting at it, Christina, is just in terms of the boundaries. But what would you point out in terms of things that, and the ways that it has impacted you personally throughout these years, 17 years, seven years, and this refugee family, things that you look at and go, wow, this, this thing has kind of maybe impacted me uh, growth-wise, uh, character-wise? Are there things that you would say, oh yeah, for sure, in this way? Or I mean, <clears throat> it can't not change you, um, I think. Um, personally, I mean, for all that dark moment <laughs> I shared, um, I'm so blessed. I, I, I have made the most amazing family members, and I do consider them family members, on this side that help and on mm. that side that receive the help. Mm-hmm. But the gratitude that they give, um, I've learned so many lessons from those people um, on humility and kindness. And let, they, would, they would give you everything and they have nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned that, you know, you talked about the other day, with, you know, what your superpower has become. Mine has literally, I will ask anyone for anything. <laughs> I don't care who you are, if it will help them. Um, and maybe that, that was there before, but that is there times a million now mm-hmm. because, you know, I mean, if I see something that is of value to them or some way that you might be able to help them, and I don't care what your title is, um, but, yeah, I mean, I've been told that I can, I can get people motivated. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's, I believe in it. It's, uh-huh. it's, I told you, like, uh-huh. it's become like my third child that I didn't plan on having. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's nurturing and it's keeping that alive. Yeah. And it's, you know, yeah, so. these gifts that came out of you you didn't even know existed. Deanne, yeah. when you think about the ways that this project has changed you or helped or challenged you, grown you. I think for me, um, one thing that I've learned is that a little, what, what I might consider a little can mean so much to somebody else. And so it's, it's worth it to do the little. Sometimes I think I might have had the impression that, oh, well, it's, you know, that's not really going to move the needle. And it, and it does move the needle. And, and I also like that it, if you can only help one person, it's enough. Mm-hmm. One family, one animal, it's enough. Uh-huh. You know, we can't, you know, sometimes I think, you might get overwhelmed with, oh, all of this is happening. And it is, but one is enough. Huh. Because I look at my own family and I think, if somebody helped them, yeah. that's my whole world. That's yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah, wow. Great revelations. I, like, I, I was trying to imagine our community and the people that might listen to this, see the podcast or here this morning, and I'm... I'm not sure if you're like me, but I sit there and listen to their stories and I'm going, what could be the thing? What could, what could, what could my thing be? What, like where, do projects like this exist for all of us, big or small ways? They don't have to be big international, it doesn't have to be a refugee, but what is my thing? And as I'm thinking about you, I, I, I find very quickly there are things that pop up in my head that all of, all of a sudden start saying, Jeff, whoa, 
don't get too excited here. You know, reasons why I would say, oh, yeah, that's nice that they could do this, but... And the butts start flooding. And I wanted to just take a few minutes. In fact, the the little time that we have left. I I, want to ask you what you would say to some of the butts. (laughs) For people out there, sorry, and and not butts, literally, but but, but. (laughs) butts. Ouch. Naughty, naughty, naughty. Let's talk about it. I, I think perhaps we could... I'm hoping there would be people here that are saying, I I really do want to figure out what my water is. And so I think maybe the first one, it just is simply just like, how do you start figuring out what it could be? Like, where is the opportunity? I mean, you're on holidays. I didn't think you're looking for a water assignment at that moment. Mm -hmm. But Deanne, you start talking to me about these serendipitous moments. Can you... Describe what you mean by those and what... I think it's, it's coincidences. It's little things that you see. Like i sitting in that coffee shop and I see that newspaper and I feel it. And so I know that's for me because I feel it. So there, you know, there are other times in my life where you know, I thought, oh, this is really interesting. And then I turn around and it's right next door, it's my neighbor that is the head of something. Uh-huh. Or So that's another moment. I go, okay, this might be for me because I thought about it and I see it right there yeah. beside me. Yeah. So it's noticing those types of coincidences. Mm-hmm. I, 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 Christine, do you have any thought on that? Is that yeah, how it's I, worked for you too? Oh, there, yeah. I mean, in the beginning, there was, you know, asked and answered was my thing. It was just the, the flow. Like huh, we the talked flow about, you talk a lot about. Where there's flow, I go. If I feel like I'm swimming upstream, I'm, I'm, in, I'm going in the wrong direction. I need to get off the river and, huh. and look. But, but I think, you know, um, we're just examples. <laughs> People maybe took it a little further. Right, sure. <laughs> sanity deemed. Sure. Um, but I, I think that... Everyone has a passion or a strength or an energy that they don't maybe know they haven't tapped into until you open a door. It might take you a few doors. I mean, if somebody told me 17 years ago that a bright, shiny red fire truck would give me more joy than a pair of bright, shiny red high heels, I would have said, Hades, no. <laughs> but it does. Um, and the other thing is, it's, it's ripple effects, and it's, it's the same thing. It's... Um, for every single little positive action that you make in this world. Like, nobody's going to fix any cause, but for everything that you do towards a Mm -hmm. cause, and that might just be helping your next-door neighbor or whatever, there is a ripple effect. And you might not get to see it, but if you can embrace the fact that it's happening, that you've done, whatever you've done has left the universe a little better than it was Mm. moments before you did that, That's very well-filling. I want to come back to that in a second. When, when, we, when we speak of these moments where you're not really knowing something's unfolding, you know, you speak about that feeling. I feel it. Sometimes people have told me that their heart begins to race. It's almost like something, some intuitive intelligence is saying, this might be you right here. That car pulled over. Vince says, uh... I can't do a lot of things, but I can change tires. So 
he's learned as he's driving, if he sees a vehicle up on the side of the road and there's a chance that it's something mechanical, he's already starting to pad the brakes. Just, he's just, just paying a little attention to that thing. Something started and, and, and starts feeling it and then he's going, okay, yeah, no, I know that about me. This is something I can do. It's funny, um, uh, when we're in the middle of this whole water thing, take water, figure out what your water is. Someone, someone in the community started talking about how they donate blood. I'd never donated blood. It kind of, I was a little squeamish about it, to be honest. The thought of injecting the needle, that was the worst thing. It's just the needle thing. If I could just, but anyways, a few people were doing it and they said, Jeff, you should try it. I said, okay, fine. I'm going to give this a go. And I thought I was so brave in the moment, but then I'm just like, ah. I don't know why I said yes to this thing. Anyways, I get in there, and then they say, oh, by the way, did you know you have a very rare kind of blood? And I went, oh, what does that mean? They said, actually, you could be a universal plasma donor. Really? Huh, that's interesting. That's neat information. Thanks anyways, one and done. <laughs> but you know, it, uh, but it, it wouldn't leave me. And the lady said, you know, you should really consider donating plasma or platelets. We could really use it. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, some people I was with at the time, they said, Jeff, you... And so anyways, I kind of got peer pressured into it you know that that's the honest truth and and then now it's become a, a, a part of me it's just a unique part it's one little thing one little thing but sometimes it starts from a, a moment where you just step in you don't even know what it is you don't even but you just do it and then all of a sudden things start unfolding and you can't it's always becomes more obvious on the tail end you go wow Look what was happening there. It was a serendipitous moment or whatever. Chance, call it. But you, all of a sudden, now you're looking at it, you're going, oh, I, I, yeah, this is part of my water now. It's part of, there's more to this now. Can you think about these serendipitous moments that perhaps are happening right now in and around you? A conversation you have with someone about something that's going on in their life and it just doesn't leave you but you know if you get good at it you can just block it out you can just move on and go mm, that's nice to become water carriers you let it sit before you dismiss you think about it you maybe inquire a little bit more you get curious before then just shutting it out and every now and then heart mm-hmm. begins to race or whatever that might look like and you step into it. Maybe it's just one action. Deanne, you were talking about a guy that just picks garbage. Yeah, we... Um, it's actually the, our, my boy's gym teacher from school. He does outdoor pursuits in the summertime and so we've canoed with him a few times. And whenever... Uh, you can camp on Crown Land and so that's where we camp when we canoe with him. And whenever he gets to the Crown Land, he picks up any garbage that is there. He wants to make the site better than when he arrived. And that's kind of his thing. He just, anytime he sees garbage, he picks it up. I love it. Yeah, I love it. It's just, hey, I can do something. And so, you know, you might end up over time having a collection of little things. You just go, that's just what I do. This is my way of giving back. This is my way of taking water to my world. The question is, what is it? 
do you have a list of things? You go, this is me. This is my contribution. I'm telling you, like, we can talk about the impact it can have out there. You want to talk about the impact it can have inside. When all of a sudden you just start giving a little portion of yourself away. This fall, we're actually in September, we're, we're beginning a series called Searching for the Meaningful Life that Vince was talking about earlier. This is a large part of finding meaning in your world. Because if all roads lead back to yours, I'm telling you, the water gets stale. Part of the spiritual journey says, open up your eyes, get your head up, and look around. Because the meaning internally happens as you start looking beyond yourself. So we're going to talk about some of these pieces that we're talking about this morning more in detail in September. I, I, um, I think about, Christina, you said, I, I was asking you, well, how did you know you had what it takes to do this? Like, why would you step into the, You must have known you had this superpower of asking. But you said, no, I, I, had, I had no idea, which I kind of struggled with. When, when you first started telling me that. Is it true? You didn't know you, you could just ask people unabashedly? Because <laughs> that, that I didn't really... make a practice of it before this, not going to lie. <laughs> um, no, and, and I think the other thing, no, I mean, I, I've always been a giver. I guess that was always within me, for sure. I was raised that way. Um, but it just, it took that, that part of that character of me and just amplified it because it's, it's to help someone else. And like I say, it's, nobody's going to fix everything. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I don't necessarily recommend starting a charity for a third world country. <laughs> but um, I also, you know, sometimes it can be daunting. Mm-hmm. But if you don't look at the mountain and you mm-hmm. just take one step, one step yeah. at a time and just one challenge. But in, in the time, process, you began to recognize, wow. I don't seem to struggle with asking people for resources or whatever. Like, that became yeah. more apparent as you went along. No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Deanne, for you, you stepped down and said, hey, what, what can we do? Had you ever done any, led any kind of project or, or like spearheaded something like this before? No, I mean, I've tried to volunteer before, you know, and I always had always thought, oh, if I was a lawyer, I'd know exactly what to do. I would do lawyer, free lawyer stuff. And if I was a doctor, I would do free doctor stuff. And so I bumbled around with different things. And, you know, with, with this family, just little things would come up and it's like, oh, I know how to do that. I can register the kids for soccer. And I, I know how to buy gift cards to do this and whatever. And so it just kind of started to fit, yeah. you know, and I, and I think that's important when you're doing something is making sure that it fits your life mm-hmm. too. Like right now I do, I drive, um, I collect food for a woman's shelter and I do it because I want to do something, but I don't want to be restricted in regards to timing. So I pick this food up whenever I want and I drop it off whenever I want. They don't expect it. I can drive a car and I can walk into Starbucks. So it's all like, it's about finding something that really fits and is easy in your life too. Mm-hmm. You're going to go through hard bits, but the gist of it should fits feel naturally. pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. This is, this is real. Uh, the nuggets here 
are really important. I, and I, I know that there have been times when we started talking about taking water, um, people started coming back to us and saying, well, I'm just going to step out and just do this. And then we said, that's great, and that's important, but maybe this might be a better fit. Then the pendulum swung a little too far, where we started talking about this smart water. Be intelligent. Find the right perfect thing for you. That, uh, this doesn't seem easy for you, or this, or whatever. And then the water stopped. And we went, whoa, 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 no, 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 not too smart. You just, gotta, you just gotta get out, maybe do something, and it starts finessing. You start learning more about yourself. Start realizing, you know what? I'm probably more gifted doing this than I am at this. I'm gonna say more yes to these kinds of things, less to those things. And so it becomes nuanced over time. Some of our champion water carriers within our community have nuanced their roles in, in the kinds of causes and efforts they're giving. They know what they do best mm-hmm. in light of their life and schedules and resources and skill sets. Mm-hmm. So I, look at, hey, we're done here this morning. I don't know where you sit. If I was to just call you out and say, come here, tell me what your water is. Maybe you're going, dad, don't do that, number one. But if we were to just have a personal conversation, I don't know where you'd be on this scale. Maybe there's some here today that are just going, wait, this is kind of a novel concept, the idea of giving back. Maybe you're, on, you're, you're a little further back on the continuum where you're just still opening up to the idea that maybe you pry your fingers off of some of your resources to give back. Maybe you're there. And maybe your step this week is just to consider what you have that you could give away. Maybe you're further along. You're going, no, I believe in this concept of giving back. I want to be that kind of person. I'm just, I've tried a couple things that didn't really go well, and now, and you're just kind of now in the standstill. Maybe your step today is to just start paying attention to what's around you. Looking for those serendipitous moments, moments when the heart begins to race. Or the opportunity, you're going, ah, maybe... Maybe you're further along than that and you've involved yourself in a number of different causes. Maybe some that burnt you or burnt you out. And you're going, no, I've done that deal. And maybe your step today is to consider maybe chipping away at the scar tissue and giving it another shot, trying something. Maybe there's someone here today and you've, you've found a role, you've found something, and it's, it's now gone easy. You can almost do it in your sleep. Maybe the next challenge is to step out and think, maybe I'm capable of more. Maybe you've been carrying about a one-liter pail of water, but your capacity has grown, and you're ready for maybe a 10-gallon. I don't know where you're at in this, but I'm telling you, without apology, the spiritual journey is connected to this thing called taking water and giving back. And if you want to experience all that this was meant to be about, I invite you to start exploring what, what role water, ta- water carrying will have in your life. Thank you, ladies, for joining me this morning. This was awesome. And uh, I'm so proud. Proud of you. So, uh, hey, next week... Um, we're back. I think it's, we only have one more, one more week left of this, or two more weeks of this coming back series. Um, I'm actually going to interview Emily White, 
um, another woman in our community, um, her story and just her experience of belonging in community uh, with people she never felt like she could belong with. I think there's a powerful story. There is a powerful story in, in what she's learned and experienced, what she's going to bring. I, inv- I encourage you to come on back, invite a friend. And uh, anyways, I hope we all take another big step toward taking some water this week, hey? Let's dust off the cobwebs, off those pails, and get busy and make our world a little bit better. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next week.